0: This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. Food insecurity is stressful. It creates trauma in the lives of those who struggle against it. Stephen Porges said trauma compromises our ability to engage others by replacing patterns of connection with patterns of protection This is often referred to as the flight coping strategy food insecurity causes us to shrink and become disengaged discouraged and eventually depressed Chronic stress as it relates to food insecurity is derived from the unending feelings of despair and hopelessness. Because of these factors, such as poverty, family dysfunction, and feelings of helplessness, or it could come from a traumatic early childhood experience. A person battling food insecurity develops a mindset of scarcity. Scarcity fills the mind with intrusive thoughts about what you do not have, and there is seemingly no escape. It creates tunnel vision, so a person can only see their lack of food, and nothing else. Psychologists have identified four types of coping strategy. Appraisal focus, problem focus, emotion focused, and occupation focus. Other psychologists have added avoidance as one of the more widespread coping mechanisms. With food insecurity, you simply cannot avoid it very long. Today, Jerry Brisson unpacks with me how families across Michigan feel when they are food insecure, and we will share with you how some of them cope with not having enough access to the food they need for their families and why the work we do is so vital. Come back and be with Jerry Brisson and me next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Thanks for being with us everyone. Jerry, welcome Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president at Gleaners and the chairman or president actually for the Board of Directors at the Food Bank Council. And Jerry, um, welcome back to the WJR and the Food First microphone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, here we are. It's always great to uh, be here. And, uh, you know, um, we've had so many amazing guests um, I was just thinking about it. I was, ge- as I was getting on today, what a privilege it's been to to speak with so many people about the important issue of food security and and that it's solvable and why it's solvable and all the vested interests people have in solving it. And today's show is a really important one that underscores a big part of the why. There's so much vested interest in this, and part of the why is. It is very stressful to be low income. It's very stressful to have to manage your life. One of the things that I've said for a long time, having, having worked with a lot of people from across the spectrum for so long is the less money you have, the shorter your time frame for thinking about things. So if you have a lot of money, you can think about things five years down the road, 10 years down the road. You can even think about legacies that are generational, right? When you have the money mm-hmm. to do that, if you don't have a lot of money, your, your time threshold shortens. It's what do I need to do today? And particularly if you're food insecure, because what you need to do today is feed your family. What is more mm-hmm. important than that? How can you think about generational legacy when you gotta feed your kids right now. And and so that time frame shortens way down. And and I am amazed at the resourcefulness that people that have to think in really short time frames can accomplish. They, they, they're, they're so resourceful in saying, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and they get through their day and they feed their kids amazingly, and then they go on to the next day and again have that short time threshold. Then things free up for them for a bit and their threshold gets a little longer okay now what about this month what about next month right but that's part of the dynamic of living with if as you say doctor the toxic stress of food insecurity it's how do we stretch a person's time threshold so they can manage their life more constructively and that's a huge deal
0: it is and 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 you 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 explain it so well and Jerry, you know that this this toxic stress that we talk about for people who are experiencing food insecurity is really based in in uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need, which is a foundation for our entire belief system about um, the necessity of this work. So if you, uh, uh, just as a quick refresher, Abraham Maslow had a theory of motivation and essentially at the lowest level of his pyramid is basic needs. And if you don't have those basic needs met, then it's going to be very difficult to, to move up that theory of motivation to security and to safety and then all the way through relationships and friendships uh, you know being esteemed and accomplishing thing and finally you know having reaching your potential or as much of it as we possibly can but if you don't have the basic needs met you can't on level one you can't ever get to level two and that's what you're describing that people are um, have to live in such a short-sighted way. They can't see beyond. In the monologue, I described it as tunnel vision. Until this problem is solved, I can't deal with anything else that's either in front of me, behind me, or to the sides.
1: Yeah, so so today, um, I know we wanna cover, so specifically, what are some of the things that people do when they are food insecure to manage this part of their life and this part of their stress.
0: We invited some folks from Wayne State University to come to the Food Security Council and they presented some information to us and I found this, that you're about to share with our listeners, um, very insightful about how people um, are able to cope with the stress of being food insecure.
1: So I'm looking at a chart. I'm going to try to describe it a little bit. The chart, the title of the chart is Food Insecure Respondents Use a Variety of Strategies to Afford Food. Pretty obvious. Uh, then it talks about, on average, of the of these strategies, a food insecure person uses 3.7 of them. Now, I don't know what 0. 0.7 of a strategy looks like, but this is what happens when you do uh, calculating, right? You say, well, they use 3.7 right. strategies, but between three and four strategies um, on a regular basis. But the average person, in order to free up money in their life, a person who's not food insecure, still uses 1.5 of these strategies to free up some money from their budget. So I thought that was interesting. So the difference is all of us do some things to try to save money, right? In fact, somewhere between one and two things that we're gonna list here. But a food insecure person has to use between three and four things. So twice as many things and twice as often, right? Twice as many things Mm -hmm. and twice as often. So let's, let's, I'm just gonna do this list because it's really interesting. Here are things that people actually do to cope with this. The first thing on the list, which is the smallest, but it's interesting is rely more on hunting or fishing. The second is Mm -hmm. rely more on foraging which I was really surprised to hear. I don't know that I've ever foraged (laughs) in my life. I guess I've picked blueberries when I was in the UP. Anyway, buy food on credit. That is a huge one. Borrow money from friends or family, another huge one. And by the way, this is the one that's way more frequent from food insecure people than food secure people. Rely Mm -hmm. more on growing my own food. Get food from a food pantry or soup kitchen. Accept food from friends or family. Stretch food by eating less. And I will just put mm-hmm. a little thing in there. I know parents that do not eat meals so they can feed their kids. That is a that is true. I know. I know them. Uh, buy foods that don't go bad quickly which is a whole other thing about health and perishable food, which is an interesting dynamic. And then the last one is buy different, cheaper foods. So rely more on hunting or fishing, rely more on foraging, buy food on credit, borrow money from friends or family, rely more on growing my own food, Get food from a food pantry, soup kitchen, accept food from friends or family, stretch food by eating less, buy foods that don't go bad quickly, and buy different, cheaper foods. These are the strategies that that food insecure and not food insecure, and food secure, I should say, food insecure and food secure people all use these strategies, but food insecure people use some of them way more and use all of them more often.
0: Jerry, that's, that's a great list, and I want us to unpack that in the next se- segment. This is from Wayne State University. Dr. Aly- Alyssa Beavers uh, is the professor that uh, provided this to us. Let's unpack this on the other side of the break. That's Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at FBCMish.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. And a podcast by the same name and sponsored by the family of companies at Farm Bureau, particularly Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and uh, the Agents Charitable Fund, as well as the Michigan Farm Bureau, the whole family over there, Jerry. They believe in this work and they trust to work with us to get it accomplished
1: and make significant investments in time and treasure to help us get it done. I, I I mean, how can we say enough about Farm Bureau? We just can't, they're awesome.
0: Well, you know, we, we do believe that uh, solving hunger starts in the field. You gotta have food to, you know, it, it takes food to take care of hunger and um, they're great partners. But meanwhile, if you don't have enough food, you gotta cope with that stress, that chronic, Toxic stress and in the previous segment you just gave us uh, some of the top uh, Coping mechanisms that people use who are food insecure Well, I really shouldn't say that because we all use these same coping mechanisms for different stresses in our lives and so it just seems that people who are uh, food insecure are using these are having to use these coping mechanisms as you said, twice as much as people who are not, who are food secure. What what's what on that list stands out to you, Jerry?
1: You know, for different reasons, they all stand out. And, and I, I mean, you know, it's like, oh my God. I think one of the things that that stands out though is is people buying food on credit. This is something that people who are food secure rarely do. And and people who are food insecure do all the time, buy food on mm-hmm. credit. Now, mm-hmm. you think about how creative you have to be if you're a low income person to have credit, then to use that credit, and then to maintain that credit. So that's an awful lot of work. You have to be pretty resourceful to be able to manage buying something like food on credit, right? So that one stands mm-hmm. out to me for a lot of reasons, but it also in, it's also an indicator of how food insecurity can drive your life in a downward spiral. As your debt increases, and then the cost to maintain that debt increases, I mean, the fact of the matter is, how much debt would you go into to feed your kids if that was your best option for doing it? What would your number be? Right. Well, that's a hard question. How do you even answer that question? If someone would give you ten grand and it would help you feed your kids, you'd probably do it. So, so part sure. of the answer is what can you get? Well, I mean, I, you know, so that that one in particular really caught my attention because it's so more frequently used by people who are food insecure. Right after that, it's borrow money from friends and family, and boy, how how do those things not go together? You, you right. try to solve the problem first yourself. And I, I say this all the time about the people we serve. There's, there's a feeling sometimes that people get these entitlements and it, and it disincentivizes them from trying to solve their own problems. And my experience is the absolute opposite. That in fact, people wait too long to get help. If they would go to a food pantry earlier and, and rely on friends and family and credit um, later, right? If they, if they did the things they could do first that, that are the least stressful and save those stressful things for later, I think people would get better, healthier, faster. I think there'd be less stress, and it's one of the things that we're trying to do is say to people there is not anything wrong with needing help from time to time. Go get the help you need. Go get it as soon as you can. We are here. We want to help you. There is no lingering consequence for getting food from a food pantry, you know? So, the other thing, and I know I'm probably already blathering on a little long here, but stretching food by eating less and buying different and cheaper foods, those are things I think we all can really understand. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, mm-hmm. I think all of us from time to time make choices to eat less food. Usually it's because we're overweight and we need to, you know, lose weight. But, but we understand what it means to eat less food and we understand what it means to buy different and cheaper foods. I think what we wanna make sure our listeners understand is when the pressure is so high to eat less and cheaper foods that you start, um, your health starts to deteriorate because the only thing you can afford is fatty foods with high carbohydrates because that's the cheapest food you can get it actually mm-hmm. increase your costs over time. How can poor people be obese? This is how it happens. Not because they're eating so much, in fact they've already decided to eat less. But what they're eating enough of to satisfy their, their meals a day is food that puts on weight not food that's good for their nutrition and overall well-being so you see this horrible cycle of the less money I have the less healthy I eat the more money I need to manage my health and it just goes around and around and around and around and so we see things like diabetes have a horrible impact on the lives of the people we serve because it's hard to manage diabetes and and the food that you need for that and i mean so those are the things that really you know right off the top i just go yeah that that's what we see and this is how we understand the consequences of stuff like that
0: and you know jerry i think that the this chronic toxic stress this trauma of being food insecure gets lived out In different ways Um, you know I'm often reminded of the commercial that's on television where someone is um, it hasn't eaten and so they say he he or she has become hangry like they're 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 hungry and now it gets manifested it changes them into this angry person and so one of the things that I've, I've realized some time ago in my life is that when I'm dealing with people and the reaction outweighs the issue at hand, there's something else going on. Yeah. So maybe, um, maybe, maybe somebody, um, you know, uh, bumps into you in the store or something, and, it, and it's just an accident, but if you're living under that stress, you view that differently and 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 that's kind of like the 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 you know the the breaking point and you re- and a person reacts to that that bump in the store and and it is not that the bump was that big a deal it's just all this other stress is built up from not having enough particularly in this case enough access to To the type of food you need for yourself and for your family so I think that this you know is very telling that it gets lived out in ways that we wouldn't expect so when the when the reaction outweighs the issue there's something else going on and it very well could be for some people food insecurity
1: you know, we've talked about the benefits cliff a few times, which is essentially that you know after you make you know somewhere between 11 and twelve dollars an hour, your next promotion, you lose benefits faster than you make money. So you actually get more food insecure between twelve dollars an hour and15 dollars an hour, not less, even though you're being promoted and, and making more money. So so now let's get back to hangry. Do you want hangry people at work all the time because the fact of the matter is if we don't solve the benefits cliff if we don't incentivize people to work if we get people to a place where they're coming to work hangry we're going to have a work environment that's not very fun we're going to have people overreacting to our customers and to our other staff members and to our leadership when things aren't really as bad as it looks i mean when we talk about why you know people have a vested interest in solving this I really do think Mm. in the day in day out work reality of people where you go the people working in the restaurants that you go to the people who are you know providing service to you in the various shops especially as we're going through the holiday season all of these people make wages that that might be below a living wage That puts them in Mm -hmm. that food insecure place. They have the benefits cliff to deal with, meaning even if they're being successful, their benefits are going down as their wages are going up and you've got a pretty hangry, large population. Is that the kind of community we want to live in? It makes no sense. This is a solvable problem and it's not that expensive to solve. We just gotta be smarter or what do you say? Bigger, better, badder, bolder. (laughs) I know you've got your list doctor. Why don't you tell us your list?
0: Well, we'll close out this segment because we both believe that, that hunger isn't bigger than we are, it isn't better than we are, and it is not beyond us to solve. So come back with Jerry and I. We're going to talk a little bit about that solution and the impact that we believe the food that we distribute to food-insecure families across Michigan, that the impact that it has. Come back and join us. We're right here. Food First Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back here on Food First Michigan and Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here, your host. Uh, Jerry, we're closing in on uh, finishing our fourth year of the show. And uh, we're pretty excited about uh, the future of our podcast and uh, our show here on WJR. And we're talking about the chronic stress and trauma of Of being food insecure and you know Jerry one of the places I mentioned that um, this trauma can originate from in the monologue was from a you know an adverse childhood experience so when children grow up food insecure they grow up in a food insecure household uh, that doesn't leave them and I'm, I'm gonna give you an example one of the most one of the one of the best leaders I know is Donna Murray Brown, the CEO and president at the Michigan Nonprofit Association. And Donna's been on this show and told the story of um, her dad being in a car accident, her mom having to be his caretaker, who was a nurse. He was a driver, um, and there were there were a period of time in their young lives, in her young life, where they received uh, distribution food from, from pantries and churches and food banks. And, and uh, she could remember when her friends would come over to the house, she would go to the cabinet and turn the cans. Because if you remember uh, years ago, some of the canned, the shelf-stable food that came from the government had three stripes on it. And you could tell that this was, this was not bought in the store. And she did not want her friends to know that they struggled with food, so she would turn the cans in the cabinet so that her friends would never see that. Now, she is a grown, accomplished professional leader, was in banking for 20-something years, now has been leading the uh, Michigan Nonprofit Association, yet that memory has stayed with her her entire life. That trauma that kids experience by being food insecure, hopefully they can get past it, but I'm not sure we ever get over it
1: yeah I think you're right doctor I mean I you know to be sensitive to how the things that happen to us shape our thoughts and feelings about the world right and it, and it, it's definitely true I think we all can have examples in our own life of of we are the way we are uh, because of things that we've experienced you know things that we've had a good experience of with that we look forward to again and things that we've had a traumatic experience with that we never want to do if you if you ever you know Uh, taking a dive off of a high diving board and stand at the top and look down and that feeling that you have of, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this, right? Mm -hmm. The kid that makes the jump has a different experience than the one that decides to climb back down, right? All that to say, our life experience shape who we are, and oftentimes those things shape our next decision. So we started Mm. talking about that time threshold that you know when when people have an urgency like food insecurity to manage. I need to feed my kids today, so I'm not thinking about what the longer-term consequences of this might be so I might I might sell something or pawn something right now it's gonna cost me a lot of money to get that back later but I need to feed my kids today so I'm gonna do that And an outsider might say well how could you do that that you, if you're gonna buy that again later you just wasted $20 why would you do that right but the fact is when you're when you're in the moment and, and you gotta get this done you make some decisions and then those decisions begin to shape your next decision, right? So if you were successful in pawning something and able to feed your family, you're going to put that on your list of things I can do, even though it might Mm -hmm. not make the most financial sense, right? And so as you say, doctor, those experiences shape more than just what happens today. It shape what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. I can tell you there's a couple things I'm really concerned about right at this minute that's going to Increase the food insecurity in our community over the next few months Food prices right now on average are up five to six percent now if one Mm. of your coping mechanisms is to eat less or buy cheaper and Inflation brings up the cost of food. Well not just inflation but inflation and supply chain issues and and other things that are going on um, if it causes the the food cost to go up five or six percent on average then you're gonna have to do even more of those coping things. You're gonna eat even less, you're gonna eat even worse, you're gonna eat even cheaper. And that's not good, right? But that's, that's happening right now. Those, those prices are real. And it doesn't look like it's the end of it yet. We're probably gonna see that continue for a while. The second thing is uh, the Department of Energy just put out a, a report that said uh, the cost to fuel an average home this is nationwide, is gonna be up 30%. So if Jeez. you are living in a cold area, like we are, and your fuel costs go up 30%, that's an enormous burden, right? That's an enormous burden that's gonna create more coping mechanisms, right? More more things that are gonna drive short-term decisions because that's all you have to work with is what you have right now in front of you, so so you know I'm very concerned about the stress that our community is going to be under. This is at the at the same time we're still dealing with the pandemic, and I worry for the kids. You know, I I worry for kids who are back in school. Um, and and you know, getting reacclimated—that's awesome. We want them to be there. But schools are having a hard time with the food supply chain and making sure they have all the food they need in school for the kids. They're having to make substitutions. They're having to make last-minute changes. We've heard of labor issues and other things that are affecting schools. So, I have to say, I'm I'm uh, pretty concerned about the, what this winter is going to bring.
0: Yeah. Well, more. You know, again just uh, a great segue into why the work that our network of seven Feeding America food banks serving all of Michigan's 83 counties is so important and vital. And one of the things that uh, Jerry you've said often uh, in in a lot of different settings is you know what I would call the power of food. That we distribute because it 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 brings something to the household that is that is really needed and that is stability could you talk to us a little bit about that
1: well you know when we think about again these coping strategies and we know that going to a food pantry or a soup kitchen is one of the coping strategies that people use Um, we believe that that's more than just a band-aid, right? That, That when people use that strategy, it helps them to manage their life. And it's part of the reason we want to do more of it. Because we think if if we take the stigma away and we take away the feeling that I'm a bad person or an incapable person because I needed to ask for help. If we take that away and people come and get food that they want and need from the food distributions that we have all over our community, and this is true for every county in Michigan, right? Uh, food banks mm-hmm. serve every county in Michigan, so so if people start doing that more, it actually makes the total cost for the community go down and provides an incredible amount of relief. People can more likely pay their rent, or more likely cover a flat tire expense, or or manage inflation, or or the other things that they're going to be coping with this winter, and so it. We say it helps to stabilize the house, but it depends on people really taking advantage of us. Now, you know, who wants to be taken advantage of? That might sound wrong, but the <laughs> fact is we want that. We want people to take advantage because we provide healthy food, good food, and enough food for people to get what they need to get to the next thing that they need to do. It stretches their time threshold. It helps them manage their life better. That's what brings stability.
0: Yeah, that's great. The, you know, I, 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 I love that. And you know, the other aspect of it, just to unpack it a little further, is we also do quite a bit and uh, do different programs across the state. One is Cooking Matters, that is uh, out of Gleaners. Another is we partner with. Federally Qualified Health Center over in Battle Creek, Grace Health, uh, they've had them on the show where the their nutritionists are doing uh, nutritional counseling with uh, patients and uh, they are incorporating the food uh, into the treatment plan and also when the patient leaves the clinic, they're going home with the food that they were just counseled with about. Um, And so it's interventions like this that really can make the difference. And as you say, bring greater stability to the home and hopefully take at least one trade-off away from the household where they don't have to choose between rent, utilities, medicine, or transportation, just to name a few. So uh, Jerry, we, we, we probably should take a quick break here and come back, but uh, I just, I love this this part, this topic about people being so resilient to try to solve this problem and, and, the, and the impact that the food has in their homes and for their lives. I love that, that the aspect and the concept of stability. He's Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back to wrap up this show in just a moment. you listening and being here with us uh, week in week out downloading the podcast listening to us on WJR Uh, Jerry we're talking about coping mechanisms with this chronic stress that results from being food insecure a couple of thoughts that I have as we wrap up here is um, you know we say creating food security is the first step towards self-sufficiency and if you really want to address poverty We think food first, hence the name of the show, should really be the priority. That's not to say that the other aspects that contribute to someone being trapped in poverty aren't important and shouldn't be addressed, but we're just saying food can get you further, faster, cheaper than probably any of the other, um, you know, interventions that that are holding people back. So I I think the concept of food first is something that is, is valid. And it gives us a pathway toward really addressing and, and And I think that, you know, once food security is is uh, available, is in the home, then it does have a freeing effect for people's minds, that they're able then to think about their other challenges. And I believe and I think you believe, too, that's the opportunity for them to find their next success
1: well you know it's it's we have to be careful not to oversimplify but face what the the realities are for most people we have averages for a reason right we have to talk about who gets helped how much help do they need and that's obviously a wide range but what we can say is this for at least many people if we can take this problem off the table in an efficient way that's food that they want and need, that they have access to on a fairly regular and easy basis, they will be more successful by having that available, right? There are some people mm-hmm. that it won't help enough, right? The, the, the number of issues they're managing are just too complicated to say that this is gonna help them fully. But regardless of if, you, if it's enough or if it's not enough, <clears throat> this is the first thing then you get to the next thing right whatever that next thing is so that you you always have in mind you know what we say here is impact is our north star did mm-hmm. what we do make a difference in people's lives were they did they have a better life a better quality of life a better way to manage their life were they healthier were they more empowered to do the things they want to do these are the things we're looking at all the time and we don't say we have all the answers but we do say we know enough that what we do isn't just a band-aid. It is helping today and into the future.
0: Well, I I love that and I thank you for um, helping me uh, because I don't want to oversimplify and I sure don't want to generalize, you know, but but there is a lot of generalization that goes on about people who are struggling uh, with food insecurity. You know, I'm reminded of Mark Twain when he said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so that gets you in trouble.
1: <laughs> I love you know,
0: that. You know, and so the generalization about the food insecure population, people who are struggling with food insecurity, that's a dangerous thing to generalize on e- either side.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, doctor. And of course, we want to be sensitive in everything that we do. We, we listen to people. We, we make sure that we're asking, is this helping you? Do you need more? W- you know, what what more can we do to help? And, and I want to make, again, a, just a very clear point. If somebody needs help, Have them call 211. Every county in Michigan has a 211. Have them call 211. We're heading into the holiday season. We've got some serious things happening that are going to be challenging for families. Don't wait to get help. Call 211.
0: That's a great point. Well, Jerry, time for a little food for thought. As you know, I'm an LPC, a licensed professional counselor here in Michigan. And I can tell you from that perspective, I'm alarmed about the negative impact food security has on people, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. The impact of taking hunger off the table helps create stability, and stability is improved by having the physical, social, and economic needs met. Abraham Maslow's lowest level of need, but also It allows people to live without fear of losing the ability to have their basic needs met. That's the beauty of stability. Stability has been created for many families by the combined efforts of programs working together to come alongside of families living under the trauma of food insecurity. We can help keep people trauma-free by helping them stay food secure. And we do that by putting and keeping Food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.